Hello? Hey, yeah, I, I know, I, I just forgot. I, okay, I can't, I gotta go, Mom. I'm really busy right now, bye. Hey, Samantha, are we still on for coffee today? Oh, I forgot. Meet Samantha, a driven young woman always working on multiple projects. But what Samantha doesn't realize is that she's caught in a web of busyness and distraction. Forever feeling like there's never enough time, yet missing out on the things that matter most. What does she need to do in order to free herself from this web and find the time to slow down? Join us in these next few moments as we untangle this topic in the Insanity Zone. All through history, people have... I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> Inside joke for those of you who are here on Easter. Uh, we're actually talking about insanity. Uh, insanity is defined when you can no longer distinguish fantasy from reality or when you can't do what you're supposed to do due to the thoughts and emotions being impaired or when you're subject to uncontrollable impulsive behavior. But possibly the most famous quote surrounding insanity and the one we are using for this series to kind of wrap this series is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different Results. We all know it. I think it kind of looks like this. He's going to get in. He's going to get in, though. He will get into that. Okay, it didn't work twice, but the third time it's going to. Okay, the, it will work. It will work. Okay, no. I think that's how insanity looks so often, uh, and it looks like that for us, and, and it's funny. When we watch it in video form, we can point it out, and we can laugh at it. We'd be like, oh, that's, that's insane, um, but I feel like this is what we do so often in life, um, and, and one of the things that I find insane is wanting the most out of life, but daily choosing daily habits or weekly habits that are actually giving us the worst out of life instead, and I believe no matter who we are, whether it comes down to relationships, fun, education, pursuits, goals, dreams relationships, whatever it is, so many of us, especially in America, we are obsessed with more, most, and most of all of us want best as well. We want more, most, and best. We want it all. And we want this thing and we desire these things, and yet so often we're choosing this thing and something specifically that's nationally afflicting us, almost no matter who you are, it's nationally afflicting us, and that thing that actually we think will give us more, most, and best, but it's actually stealing more, most, and best from us, and that thing is called, you know, there was a time that I hated Disney. Almost as much as some of you hate me right now, the perfectionists that are like, you didn't finish the sentence, I don't know what to write down, I don't... Almost as much as some of you hate me. Uh, there's a time I, I hated Disney, and I'm not alone in amusement park hate. We actually threw this question out on social media. We asked the question, um, who, who, uh, what's your best and worst experience at amusement park? And so we got a flood of great answers, and we're going to look at a few. This is a bad one right here in Las Vegas. My sister and I, hey, do, do, do you notice something, by the way? Do you see the blur up here? Do you see that? See how they blur out the name? That's a nice blur. That's so nice to blur out people's names. That's another inside joke for those of you who came last week. There we go. Somebody's memory got registered. Oh, yeah, that did happen. Yeah, what a nice blur. That's so pretty. In Las Vegas, my sister and I rode a carnival ride in a hotel, and we were stuck upside down for about three to four minutes with a bar only on our legs. That's 
terrible. That's a whole nother level. of. This is a good one. My husband uh, proposed to me in front of Cinderella's castle with my friends there and family on FaceTime. It's been a dream of mine since I was a little girl, and he made it come true. Aww. That's a terrible aw. Okay, aw. Well, now we're going to do rehearsed aws on the count of three. Everybody aw. One, two, three. Aw. That's so nice. That's so good. This is a great one. Uh, please have Ralph answer this one. Oh, no, laugh out loud. I'm not sure we can share that story. <laughs> what camera do I look at? Ralph, please, if you're out there. The world of Facebook has been left on a cliffhanger, and we have to know what happened that day at that amusement park. Please. Give us the scoop, bro. Uh, this one's bad but funny. Cedar Point, Sandusky, Ohio, with church youth group circa late 1970s on that spinning ride where you're stuck to a spinning wall by centri- centrifugal centrifugal force, I know the word, and the floor drops out. Looking at a guy across the right from me, he gets green. Then he begins violently tossing his funnel cakes, corn dogs, cotton candy, Philly cheesesteaks, picture Mac from a few weeks ago, okay, and so his literally went three feet out in centrifugal force back, forced it back into several riders' faces while we watched in horror as the others started tossing all their fair foods it was a screaming, nasty mess where we were all hosed down. Can you imagine the music parts out hosing down to carry on our day's fun? That sight and smell is still burnt into my mind. Remember, late 1970s, you're talking 50 years later, he's still dealing with the trauma of this memory. This is the last one. This is the last one, and we will conclude. Where we were at Disney's Animal Kingdom, walking across one of the bridges, my cell phone fell off the baby stroller, slid all the way across the bridge, and managed to slide right into the half-inch opening into the river. And only at Disney do they get two boats, an underwater camera, underwater lights to go diving for my cell phone. And sure enough, they found it. I dried it out, and that iPhone lasted me two more years. Hashtag where dreams come true. But that's not everybody's experience at Disney. Like for me, as an example, it wasn't where dreams came true. It was where lies came true. They lie to you a bunch. They tell you it's this amazing, magical place. And I remember going for the first time as a, as a, um, as a teenager, my parents brought us, well, there was five of us kids. There's two parents. That's seven people. Five plus two equals seven. Okay, check with me. There's seven people going. And, and that means everybody's got a different expectation. Everybody's got a different goal. Everybody's got a different dream. Everybody's got a different favorite ride. You can't fit seven people's favorite rides into one day at the, at the theme park. It's impossible. Nobody gets their way. It's horrible. Even going as, as, a, as a parent now or going with my wife, everybody's got different things. You wait in line for hours for this one stupid ride. The rides never measure up to two-hour waits. It never works. It never really actually happens. You're tricking yourselves. We're lying to ourselves to think we're actually getting something great out of that moment. Plus, at the end of the day, it all comes to a close. You're angry. You're emotional, you're mad, you're sunburned, you're sweaty on half your body, you got dried sweat on the other half your body. You don't know how that happened, just happened. You got gum stuck to places in your body, you didn't know you had places. It's just there, what's going on? And finally, they close it out, especially at Magic Kingdom, with this beautiful, beautiful uh, fireworks show with movies playing on the projectors and Walt Disney's grandfatherly voice just speaking beautiful tones over our dreams of life. And you're tricked into thinking, oh, this is an amazing experience. But then if you turn around, the moment that thing ends, there is a sea of hundreds of thousands of millions of billions of people. And their solution is, hey, I know how we'll get them out there. We'll have one trolley, maybe two. We can fit 20 people on there and we'll cart them all one at a time across to get back. 
And when you sit in that last hour and a half line, when you've already given it all of your energy and all of your time and all of your money, and you sit in that, you come to one very true realization if you're willing to be honest and genuine with me. You look at the people you came with that day and you realize something simple, very profound, and very true. I now hate these people. And you don't just hate them. You hate everybody in the whole sea of people. You got a grandma coming by you. She nudges your arm and you're ready to go elbows on her. Like, what's happened to you? Your soul has left the building. That was my experience at Disney until one day some friends shared a magical potion with us. And once upon a time, on that day, a handsome prince, a young, handsome prince, and his beautiful fair maiden stood in line for what seemed like mere moments. And on that day, they passed plastic across the counter. And what got handed back to them were the magical keys to a magical kingdom. And on that day, and henceforth, they lived happily ever after. Translation is, we became Disney pass holders, people. We became Disney pass holders. And on that day, I became a huge fan. The string's on the wrong side. I be- string's still on the wrong side. I became a huge fan. I started wearing all their memorabilia. I started wearing all their, their Disney ears. I slapped on their Disney pass holder wrist thing that I can't get on right now, but it's because I'm wearing a watch on top of a watch, and that was a bad strategy. I won't do that in the future services. I strapped this on and I I felt amazing. All of a sudden I walked in and Disney had changed forever. The birds started tweeting. The music started being louder. It started serenading my soul. I felt like a God amongst mere men. I felt like Thor amongst immortals as they rushed past me trying to get an ounce of glory that I had received. All right, too far. They're like, who is this guy? What are we doing? We're just having fun. (laughs) What actually happened, this is amazing, what actually happened is we slowed down. We slowed down. And when we slowed down from this, from having the ability of all the time, we we, we could come back whenever we want. We slowed down. As we slowed down, the most incredible thing happened. We started to enjoy it. We started to actually enjoy the experience. We, we started to find rides that we never knew even existed. We walked back into back corners and mysteries of the world that we were like, wow, I never knew there's a waterfall back here. I never knew there's a peaceful part of Disney. I thought it was all just blood and gore. I didn't know that, that you could actually enjoy watching people run around. I didn't know that we could sit in a cafe and actually act like we're in France or Italy. Or I, just, I never took, who's going to take two hours of that when I spent great? or two grand just to get here. I could eat, drink a cafe. I could drink a coffee at home. But as we slowed down, we found this. Something else happened that was amazing. We became more patient with each other. We were more joyful. We were much happier. We'd even, we started to do this crazy thing that you will never see at Disney unless they are pass holders. We started to share. Like, no, 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 you do your thing. No, 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 you do your thing. Well, come back tomorrow, do my thing. No, 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 you do your thing. Well, let's do the kids thing. Oh, and that was crazy. That was even crazier. We were more loving. We were more peaceful. We actually got to the end of the days, and we would get back into our car, and we'd exhale this weird breath. It was like, 
It was kind of nice. Our tanks were full. Even with a two-year-old and a four-year-old, translation, brat holes, even with those in tow, I'm being honest today, even with those in tow, we would come and our, our life would be, our day was full, our tanks were full. There was love and joy and peace and patience. It was all added to us. And it happened by slowing down. And I, I want us to notice something in our, we got to notice this. Disney, I said this, when we walked back in, I said, Disney had forever changed. Disney didn't change at all. Disney at an as an entity remained the exact same. They played the same songs. They had the same rides. They had the same workers. They had the same everything. The only thing that changed was our perspective of time. And when our perspective of time and energy shifted and changed and went into a different gear, we were able to slow down. And when we slowed down, we began to enjoy the entire experience. We began to find more love, more joy, more patience, more peace, more purpose, more hope, more everything in those trips and in those moments as a family. What happened was what society would tell us is that, and this is the trick, this is the insanity piece. They tell us if you hurry up, if you try to get the most or more out of your 24 hours a day, if you jam-pack it full, you can maybe get most, more, and best. But what actually in reality needs to happen is for us to slow down to get more, most, and best. See, we think that in order to get the most of our life, we got to fit more into our 24 hours. We got to go. We got to push. We got to grind. We got to strive. We got to make it happen for ourselves. Ain't nobody else going to do it for you. You got to make it happen for yourself. You got to go. You got to make it happen. We, you, if we hurry, we can get to work on time. If we hurry back from work, we can get the kids to the after-school program on time. If we hurry from that, then we can get the kids back home. We can make dinner. If we hurry getting dinner done, then we can get them into bed. If we hurry and get them into bed, then we can get some me time. If I get some me time, I, I can maybe get the laundry done and get the dishes done and get, and, and, and get the, the meal prepping done. And if I get the meal prepping done, maybe I can watch a TV show at night. And if I get the TV show done, then I can go to bed at night so that I can get a decent rest of sleep, a decent night of sleep so that I can wake up and I can start it all over again. Insanity. Insanity. And whenever, whenever we do get an ounce of quiet time, we so often we fill it with distractions. We love distractions. Media being one of the top things that's inundating, inundating us every single day. I'm going to try to get to that by the end. And here's the deal. It's the same thing. When I'm not blaming media as an entity. I will not demonize media. Just like I can't demonize or blame Disney as an entity for rushing me or speeding me up. It's our overconsumption. It's our addiction to more, more, more. And ultimately, our love of hurry comes because of our lust for more. We must need more in America. More clothes, more shopping, more technology, more appointments, more, 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 more. And aren't, can I just ask you the question? Aren't you exhausted? Aren't, aren't we exhausted? Aren't you exhausted? I'm exhausted. I'm so tired of it. Two months ago, the reason I'm even preaching this message is because two months ago I came to a point, and I'm not preaching this message because it fit the series. I'm preaching this message because it fit my life. Two months ago, I was done. I could, I'm one more meeting, one more text message, one more notification, one more, my kid needs me over here, my life needs me over here, the laundry needs me over here, the dishes need me over I can't do it anymore. I can't fulfill all the expectations. I can't keep up with more. I can't keep up with the hurry, with the speed of my life. Now, I came to this point, I bought these two books. I would super, I'm going to reference them a few times. It's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. 
and deep work by Cal Newport. And I encourage you to go at least read the executive summaries, but ultimately the, 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 the pace between hurry and more, it's a cyclical wheel that psychologists have been talking about now for decades, and most of our nation is afflicted by it. It's literally called hurry sickness. And as I dove into this, I found this aching, this deep pain of like, I can't keep up. I don't know how much longer I can do this for. And I think most of us, if we're not in a life of speed, we're at least in a life of distraction. And I came here to tell you good news because I believe that Jesus gave us the best news ever. He tells us in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He goes on to talk about, take my yoke upon me and all this, but I really love to see the message version. The message version says it this way. It's a little more applicable maybe to our day and age. It says, are you tired? Aren't you worn out? You burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take, I love this, a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love this because Jesus said this during a time where they walked everywhere. At least Jesus did. You never see a passage where it talks about him running from one thing to the next. And I mean, he's Jesus. People kind of needed him. Like, yo, my leg's depending on this dude. My leg could grow back if you come and heal me or it doesn't. And he's not running around trying to keep up with everybody else's expectation gap. It's another message the point of that is this is not just a speed thing. This is not just for here and now. This is not just for the people who have a, a speed of life thing. This is for those of you who, who maybe are just constantly distracting yourself, constantly binging on things, constantly, constantly trying to distract yourself from the inner workings of going on because what Jesus is talking about here is a soul sickness. Deeply, are you weary? Are you burdened? Are you tired? Come to me. I have something different for you. For those of you who are so exhausted, who are, who are clung and addicted to distraction. And he's saying this 2,000 years ago. Before, this was something that, that humans uh, dealt with long before media, long before cars were existed, long before the speed of life went from three miles an hour to 60 miles an hour. Or 100 or 70, depending on who's driving. What are we distracting ourselves from? What are we running from? For some of us in the room, we just have this speed of life because we've said yes to too many things. For some of us in this room, you have no reason to have the speed of life. You're just literally running from maybe the bitterness, maybe the pain, maybe the anger that you would feel. Maybe we can't even imagine what would it mean to actually be silent. Because if I was actually silent for a moment, the thoughts that might come up and the things that I would have to deal with that are so deep, I don't want to ever think about. And so if I just distract myself and keep it, the problem is, is that truly only numbs your life. 
Our depression statistics are higher than ever before. Why? Because we're distracting ourselves from the genuine truth of what's going on internally. And what Jesus is actually offering in this moment is an invitation to say, come to me. Let me deal with this. What he's saying in the verse, he talks about a yoke. A yoke doesn't mean an egg yoke. It means they, they used to tie uh, oxen together using the yoke. And w- what it means is it's a weight. There's a certain weight that the two oxen would carry this weight together. And Jesus is saying, hey, no matter what happens in life, you have a weight you have to carry. I don't know if you know this. I hope I'm not bursting anybody's bubble. But in life, you will have to carry a weight no matter. It, it might be different for different people. But in some way, shape, or form, there is a weight to this world. And there is a weight to this life. There's no way to avoid that. What Jesus is inviting you into is he's saying there is the weight of the devil. There's the weight of society and religion. And then there's my weight. And I'm telling you, my weight's the best weight. I'm inviting you into carrying my weight. And my weight, it'll still be work. It'll be working through those emotions, working through those feelings, working through those thoughts, working through those processes, learning that it's okay for you to be silent, for you to be still, for you to slow down. It'll take work and it will take time to learn these things. But my weight leads to restoration for you. My weight leads to hope for you. My weight leads to life for you. The world's weight, the enemy's weight, society's weight, religion's weight. Oh, there will be no rest. There will be no life. And don't get it twisted. There will be no hope. Jesus wants you to buy his season pass to life. And he wants to invite you into his rhythm of life. And today I want to cover some things that you can start practicing immediately to jump into the pace of life Jesus has for you. These will be real fast. Number one, by the way, real fast, for some of you, if you're maybe not convinced yet, hopefully we are. Corten Boom once said, if God can't cause you to sin, he'll cause you to be busy because they both distract you from what God is trying to do in your life. Carl Jung said, the famous psychologist Carl Jung, he said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Psychologists and, 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 and scholars and, and, and theologians for years and years have already been talking about this and discussing this issue. As Jesus invites you in, this is one thing that I feel like he, he's inviting you into. Number one is take a real day off. Take a real day off. Once a week. Take a real, here's, here's the permission to take a real day off. It's like gave it out like Oprah. <laughs> Benny Hinn, whatever genre you're from, okay. Take a real day off. When was the last time that you took a day? Uh-oh, think about it. Shut off your cell phone. Turn off your technology for a moment. Looked at the people in your life and said, hey, we're just going to, for one day, this day, we're just going to do whatever fills our souls. I'll tell you how little we've thought about it. We don't even know what we do because we don't know what we, we haven't even answered the question. What would fill my soul? I don't even, I haven't even gotten that far. I've been doing this for 10 months, two months. I'm not there yet. I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what fills my soul, God. He's like, yeah, we'll get there. 
When was the last time you did that? And just like God just did this thing that would fill your soul. Spiritual circles would call this practicing the Sabbath. And see, the Sabbath word, ah, if you grew up in religious circles like me, I hated that. I'm like, no, I don't want to take a Sabbath because my vision of a Sabbath was, was you're not allowed to eat anything. You're not allowed to laugh. You're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to really do anything but walk around like a Buddhist monk just praying. Sorry to Buddhist monks if you're in here. I'm, you're not allowed to watch this anyway, I think. I don't know. We used to make that joke about Amish people. I'm not sure. You can't watch it anyway. Never mind. Sorry. Too far. Okay, they're going to tell me to cut that next year. I will. I will. But this, a Sabbath is a day of rest. Think about it this way. A Sabbath is a day of rest and enjoyment for your soul. And God actually put this rhythm of rest into your life blood. He actually commanded us to do it. It's one of the only things God or Jesus actually commands us even to do. He says, you must practice the Sabbath. Why? Because it's good for you. It'll bring rest for your soul. And just think about the creation story in Genesis. God rested on the seventh day. But when, when were we created? Anybody know? Day six. We were created day six and day seven, we rested. No, day one, we rested. God was literally like, hey, before you go out and work and produce and do and think about any of this, of managing any of this, before you do any of that, you need to just rest and enjoy the creation I put down here. Hey, go grab an apple off a tree. Go take a nap. Hey, Adam and Eve, you both like each other. Do your thing, you know, have some fun. This is what the Sabbath is about. So much so Dan Allender in his book titled Sabbath, crazy book title. He wrote, he was writing about the Sabbath, so he titled it the Sabbath. That's good. This, this is what he wrote. It's amazing. The Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. Listen to this. Imagine doing this. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, we play, we dance, we have sex, we sing, we pray, we laugh, we tell stories, we read, we paint, we walk, and we watch creation in all of its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it to make it holy because a full day of delight and joy is more than, mo is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week. When I hear about that Sabbath, I'm like, yes! I want to do that once a week. I want to do it twice a week. Can I do it twice a week? I'm like, Yo, I look at my wife. I'm like, yo, babe, I just read this awesome thing. We're supposed to have sex at least once a week. That's what it says on the set. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't me. Dan Allender wrote it. Jesus said it first in a way. He did. It's going to be awesome. So I had to do that because all the guys were still stuck on that part. So like, come on, let's point it out and move along. Okay. Take a Sabbath. If you're like, how, do, how could I even possibly imagine doing that? Again, I want to encourage you. Go read the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He breaks it down much better than I'm going to in a five-minute segment on a Saturday night. Go or Sunday morning, online, live, wherever you're watching this. Save that. <laughs> They're going to kill me backstage. <laughs> this is why we didn't let you speak forever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, where am I at now? Okay. Yeah, have a Sabbath. Learn the art of the Sabbath. 
If you can't do a full day, do a half day. Do four or five hours. Just shut your phone off and spend some time with your family. Spend quality time. Invite some friends over with no phones. Oh my gosh. And just enjoy each other's relationships and enjoy each other's presence. Number two, I want to get to number two, so I'm going to speed through this one. Number two is start to control your media usage. Did you know that the new national statistics, this is crazy, they say that we touch our phones on a national average, average, that means some higher, some lower, 2,617 times a day you touch your phone. 2,607, where's my phone? Where's, my, where's it at? Oh, is that a buzz? Oh, is that a oh, notification? Did I feel that? Oh, oh where's, the, where's that? Oh, yeah, uh, 2,617 times a day. I don't know if you know this, but it's nine hours a day of media on the, for the average American, and that doesn't include work time. They're trying to get away from productive work. They're trying not to include produ- productive stuff. So that doesn't include text messages, and that doesn't include work time. They're, they're trying not to include um, emails. They're trying just to include just basically binging on media. What's our media usage at? For the average American, it's nine hours a day. That's 63 hours in a week. I don't know if you know this, but there's 168 hours in a week. And if we fill it up with 63 hours of media, 49 to 56 hours of sleep, that's seven to eight hours of sleep, and then 40 to 50 hours of work, what are you giving to the things that matter most in life? It's no wonder why we are bogged down. It's no wonder why we are depressed. It's no wonder why we are filled with anxiety because we cannot get to all the things because this media thing. And by the way, if I flipped out media and I switched it out and I told you these were somebody, uh, somebody that was addicted to alcohol, that they had to touch or think about alcohol 2,617 times a day, that they consumed alcohol for nine hours a day, we'd be like, how are they not dead, let alone get them to a rehab immediately? But then when we switch it to a phone, it's like, oh, but I have this excuse and I have this justification. I have this reason why. That's an addict. Here's your intervention. (laughs) Not the way it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to do it like in a room. Okay. I have to, I have to, this, this. This is John Mark Comer, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Deep Work by Cal Newport. Deep Work by Cal Newport does not care about your soul, at least from his writing. He doesn't care. He is literally just corporate and psychological advancement. That's all he's talking about. To get advancements in your corporate, you know what they've come to, t- to find out? You can't actually have media in the room and, or, or notifications. One notification will take you away from 10 minutes of work. One, that's the statistic. Boop, notification. And it doesn't matter if I look at it, just hearing it takes me 10 minutes to recenter on my work. That's what they're finding out. So they're telling the corporate moguls now, don't do it. Go into an hour and a half room with no technology and get the best out of your work. If that works for corporate America, what do you think it does to our relationship with God and other people? To your families, to your spouses, to your kids, the things that actually matter most in life. 10 minutes with my two kids and how much I've probably neglected them because whoop, and then 10 minutes before I recenter and begin to focus and pay attention to them again. And what's happened in the middle of that, that 10 minutes, another notification and the TV's on and the, and the iPad's open and the, and the phone's going off. And, and if you have teenagers, times that by four or five or however many you got. And it's no wonder why our relationships are shallow. It's no wonder that we're not getting any riches. Harvard actually finally did a study. It's the longest research study ever done. They just finished it in 2014. For 75 years, they studied people. 
people that graduated Harvard, people that, that, that were low income, people that were super poor, all people from all different types of spectrums. And the one thing they wanted to find out was what's the greatest indicator of physical and emotional well-being? You know what the greatest indicator is? For those of us who have a Christian-centric view, we already know. The little greatest indicator they came back to was the, re- the depth of relationships that they have. Harford summarized it with one word, love. Because what I'm trying to help us see is that the most and the more and the best out of our life is to come out and have love and have joy and have peace and have patience. It's the very best thing for us. It's the way that we get the most, the more, and the best out of life. But this hurry and this speed and this technology and this media and this thing, it's stealing the most, the more, and the best away from us. We have nothing left to give to the most important things at the end of our night. Jesus wants to invite you into a different rhythm, a different pace, a different speed. He wants you to come to the end of your day and have your tank full. He wants you to to experience the wonders and the mysteries of life that all the people that are racing past us in a rush could never even imagine that they're there, but because we actually bought into the belief of Jesus Christ. What changed? What changed with my experience at Disney? What changed was that we, we bought more time. We purchased it. We purchased a product of time. And the moment we felt like, oh my gosh, we have all the time in the world, we slowed down. We became more patient. We became more joyful. We took in and soaked in the whole experience. If we believe in Jesus, we believe that he bought us, he purchased with his blood the gift of eternal life for us. And it would not cause us, if we truly believe this, to speed up, to make it happen in and of ourselves, to go, push, grind, strive. Come on, I got to make it happen. I only got a little bit of time. That's not true. If we have a Christ-centered view, we would believe the opposite. I have all the time. Why should I push and grind and strive and go, no, 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 no. I'm going to slow down. I might share with other people more. I might have more patience, more peace. I might have more joy. I would have more love. And maybe, just maybe in that situation, the world would start to even look at us and go, how? How did you get that? I don't understand. I'm over here working my tail off and I still don't have as much joy as you. I have a better house than you and I still don't have as much peace as you. I have all the, 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 the beautiful stuff of the world. How, how are you doing this? What are you doing different than me? And we would answer this beautiful question with not what or how, but who. I put my faith in a man named Jesus Christ. And he invited me into a different pace of life. And as I walked that pace of life out, he gave me something more beautiful than I could imagine. I've been doing this just for two months. And I'm telling you that I've actually started to hear and feel the laughter of my kids again for the first time in years. Just by shutting my phone off and putting it to the side when I come home. My attention is getting better. It's not perfect. It's not even anywhere near perfect. I'm still working on it. I'm just two months into the process, but I'm hearing them. I'm seeing them. I'm loving them again. It's a different entity. Don't let the world and society, don't let the burden of of their yokes rest on your shoulders any longer. Accept Jesus' invitation. It could be different. 
could be different. It could be hopeful. I just want to encourage you one last time, if you want to do the work, read the executive summaries if you need to. It's The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's Deep Work by Cal Newport. There's so much more in them, both for why, for what, for how, all of it. But I encourage you to start somewhere. I don't care if it's an hour of Sabbath, then do an hour of Sabbath. I don't care if it's a minute pause like we, like Art talked about last week, then do a minute pause. Do something to start taking your life back, to take control back, to, to accept Jesus' invitation and walk at a different pace. Do something. It's not just what's best for some religious entity. It's what's best for you, and that's what God has for you. God, I thank you for this group of people. I thank you for your invitation to us. My prayer is that we would accept it. That we would say yes to your invitation. That we would walk with a different pace, with a different joy, with a different peace. And that because of that difference in our life, that the world would take notice and continue to come to know you. That they would have more joy, more hope, and peace as well. I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.